Good morning, Abundant Life, and welcome back. Thanks for joining us again on our online experience, and uh, I hope that you've had a blessed week as we come through another great week that we are expecting, once again, God to do great and mighty things in our midst. Uh, Today, also, uh, I want to let you know about an incredible program that we have here at Abundant Life Church through Southeastern University. It's SEU at ALC. It is an extension site right here at Abundant Life, fully accredited. And uh, I just want you for just the next few moments, just take a look at this video and I'll come back and talk a little bit more about it. you join us for this incredible extension site that's going to take place in the fall. We've had it going now for two semesters here at Abundant Life Church, and we are able to offer three degree programs fully accredited through Southeastern University. The number one is Associate Arts General Education. Number two, Associate of Ministerial Leadership. Number three, Bachelor of Science in Ministerial Leadership as well. What a flexible way for one year of tuition with full-time classes comes out to nine, just a little over $9,000. What an incredible savings. I would love to talk to you about this. You can email me at info at myabundantlife.com, info at myabundantlife.com, or call the church office, 869-7442. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to talk with you on the phone, give you more information. What a great opportunity for this fall to be connected. And uh, graduates, uh, happy graduation to those of you for 2020. And uh, we congratulate you for this new year and uh, that God's brought you through. It's kind of been an unusual year for you, I know. But uh, listen, we're here for you. We love you and are so thankful for your lives and all that God wants to do and use you through this next year. So if SEU interests you, we'd love to connect you in and help you with that as well. This is our fourth Sunday back live and uh, so glad to have you back with us, those of you that are here in person as well. And uh, listen, I mean this when I'm saying this, uh, I miss you. We miss you as a pastoral staff to have you live, and we just want to encourage you back. More and more have been coming week by week, and uh, we are so excited to be able to offer it live, but also our online experience as well. Well, we're going to talk today about faith and freedom, but um, there's a story of two rich brothers who lived very unruly, wicked lives, and on the surface, however, Few would have even guessed it by outward appearance. They both attended the same church, contributed large sums of money to the church, 
And the church had just gotten a new pastor who preached the truth with passion. The church had grown so much that they needed a new worship center. And uh, the pastor, he spoke with them and he understood though that he began to see through the two brothers' hypocritical lifestyles. And suddenly one of the brothers died. And the young pastor was asked to preach his funeral and the surviving brother pulled the young pastor aside and he handed him an envelope. He said, there's a check in here that's large enough to pay for the entire amount of the new sanctuary. He whispered this to the pastor and all he had, he said, all I have, pastor, is just one favor to ask of you. Tell people at the funeral that he was a saint. And the minister gave the brother his word. He would do precisely what he asked for. That afternoon, the pastor deposited the check into the church's account. The next day, the young pastor stood before the casket at the funeral service and said with firm conviction, this man was an ungodly sinner, wicked to the core. He was unfaithful to his wife, hot-tempered with his children, ruthless in his business, and a hypocrite at church. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. (laughs) Um, I hope you can enjoy that a little bit of humor today because it's truth. And Jesus is going to give us truth. He is truth. And in John chapter 8, as we come back to the book of John, we've taken a couple weeks off. But as we come back to John chapter 8, we see this that Jesus doesn't pull any punches when he's talking to those that are around him in the temple. So this morning on faith and freedom, the way to come to faith and freedom is through Jesus Christ as the truth. We as Americans, we love our freedom, don't we? We really do. We love our freedoms in America, though it comes down to what kind of freedoms are we allowed and how are we allowed to express those freedoms every single day. When you come to John chapter eight, once again, Jesus is talking about freedom. But it's a freedom that's more important than political freedom. We're very thankful for that and the country that we do live in. It's more important that we talk about this subject today because we're talking about spiritual freedom that Jesus wants us to understand. It is the same, it's this incredible kind of uh, freedom that results in living with with God both now and forevermore. And I want to look at faith and freedom along three different lines today, three different aspects of faith and freedom. So if you're taking notes, would you write this down? The first one is true faith results in real freedom. True faith results in real freedom. Chapter 8 and verse 30, and he was saying these things and many believed in him. And you understand Jesus is in Jerusalem. It's six months before he is crucified. He is in the temple area. It is crowded. He's there. He's teaching. He has interaction with these Jewish religious leaders. And the animosity against Jesus is palpable. But Jesus is very direct. He is very truthful. He is very much under control. And it is escalating at the temple. Jesus understands that there are people who appear to put their faith in him. It's not the first place we see that John talks about this in his gospel about and introduces the subject of a fickle faith. But 
We understand even in John chapter two that Jesus said that he would not entrust himself into the care of man. And what God understands is this, is that there are people who seem to officially embrace the gospel message, but they are like the parable of the sower and the seed where the seed was sown on rocky soil. I'm sure you remember that story. And it springs up quickly, the Bible says, and they receive the word of God gladly. When trials and persecutions come, what happens is they fall away from him. Billy Graham called them temporary converts. The fact is there is a faith that does not save just like there is a faith that does save. Jesus is very concerned about their spiritual condition. He challenges them on the issue of their belief and also their unbelief. So verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Wow. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. I have a, an equation here today that I believe will help us carry us through this message today in John chapter eight. And that is this, believing in Jesus plus abiding in his word plus knowing truth equals real freedom. I wanna say that again. Believing in Jesus plus abiding in his word plus knowing truth equals real freedom. You know, I believe that Every believer, talking about myself first, should periodically evaluate our life and see if the things in our life are real and are true. That if we say we have the root of faith, we should also have the fruit of faith. It is evident by the way that we live if we want to know how we walk that out. So if we're saved, and uh, I don't know about you, I, growing up in the church and having all these songs that I learned going through Sunday school is, is, you know, if you're saved and you know it, then your life should surely show it, right? And uh, that's for sure. And uh, you should be showing it. And everybody around you should know it, amen? But if, the word if is conditional. If we abide, if we abide, John loves the word abide. He uses it. 40 different times in this gospel alone. Sometimes it's translated as remain or live or dwell. It's when you and I stick with it. That's what this means. It's when you and I, we're abiding. He says, abide in my word. He says, you know, if you're sticking to it, that what does it mean? We stay with it. Now, theologians would call this the perseverance of the saints, the perseverance. They persevered as saints. That means once you're saved, that you stay with it. You keep walking with the Lord. You keep loving the Lord. You keep abiding in him, no matter how hard that it gets or whatever difficulty that we're going through. You know, many people have had an encounter with Jesus, and, and at that point, they're very energized emotionally and spiritually, but maybe they weren't truly born again. So how do you know if your salvation is real? Are you staying with it today? Are you abiding in his word today? Jesus is saying, if you're not staying with it, then you're truly not being faithful to me. 
You look at verse 32 in this, and it says, and you will know the truth. That is, that's, that, is, that is a growing knowledge of God's word every single day. And as we know the truth of his word, it has a sanctifying effect. How? Because it makes us more and more like Jesus. You know, known truth is the truth that sets you and I free. Known truth, right? Since God is the only one who cannot lie, he is the only one who lives and exists in a state of absolute truth. The factual reality of the truth doesn't free anyone. If it did, we would all be free. But it's more than that. It is known truth that frees you and me. Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter four and verse 12, God means what he says, what he does, and it tells us about his word. And it says his word is powerful. It's as sharp as a surgeon's scalpel cutting through absolutely everything, whether it's a doubt, whether it's defense, whether it is laying us open in our hearts so that we will listen and obey. Isn't that how God's word works? I don't know about you that I can be reading God's word and in the word that it is in there that it is so sharp like a surgeon's scalpel that when it comes, it will reveal things within my heart, both right and both wrong. And it's in that moment you begin to say, okay, something that I did, wow, God, you have revealed what I've done or my thought, I shouldn't have thoughts like that. And it comes to reveal that. It also comes to bring wisdom and it comes to help you. And this is where you start to become free. It's very practical by abiding in God's word that is so sharp. It goes on in verse 32 to 33, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free, right? Free. They answered him this, and this is really getting down to the point where Jesus doesn't pull any punches, so I hope you want the truth today. He, they said, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to absolutely anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? If a person is walking in unbelief, whether they're aware of it or not, you gotta understand they hate the truth. They want to redefine the truth. They wanna argue with truth. You know that they said, we've never been a slave how come you say we need to be free, Lord? I'm, I'm free already. You may hear somebody say, well, I'm free already. I'm an American. You say, wow, like, are you even saved or what, right? Jesus continues to take this further as he talks about grace and how to receive it. And Jesus answered in verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. You know, I think many times we struggle to understand what freedom is. Really, it's only in Christ Jesus that we can know true freedom. We live in a country that values true freedom, but I'm not sure many understand freedom. Like we have been watching the protests and then there's the other side of it. It's the looters that people think, well, I'm free, so I get to do anything and everything that I want to do, and that's not true. You know, if you ask people how you would define freedom, 
here's what many would say. They would say, well, it's the freedom to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. It's, it's like free from something rather than to be freed to something. You know, and it's a great opportunity again to remind us in our country to stand up for what is right and what is just and to pray for God's peace in our communities like never before. But you know, being free isn't doing what I want, but what I should. You know, our freedom framers, when they wrote this, understood it in America. Well, I wanna do what I want, but you have to understand that is absolutely selfish. But it is a true picture of the bondage of sin. This is a picture of it. It means your sin owns you, and then your sin governs you. And we know that the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we know this, that sin governs people. And, you know, we don't become sinners when we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And a couple of weeks ago, I talked about this on the light. And it has to do with our, their, our identity and what we're identifying with. See, we tend to see everyone around us as good people who occasionally do something bad, but that's not true. We are rotten people who occasionally do something good, if we're to tell the truth. And apart from Christ, we are sinners and we are trapped in sin. Without Christ, I'm a slave to sin. So verse 35, it says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And I hope you're getting this because this is powerful truth that Jesus is giving. Well, they're saying in here, there's Abraham as our father and he was righteous. So we're righteous. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute, you're not sons of Abraham. You are sons of slaves. The slave in that day could be bought, could be sold, could be moved around. See, see, a slave has no permanency in the house of God. That's what it's saying. They think because they have a biological descent from Abraham that somehow they're okay. But we realize in these words in John 8, only the son gets permanent residency in the house. When, when you're the son, what happens is, is you own all all of the property of the estate. A slave could not save themselves, but a son could say, I'm freeing you, so you are now free from this moment on. So there's, this comes Jesus's words that are so powerful to us that we can quote by heart, verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Who's the son? Well, it's, it's Jesus. Indeed is without question, you are the son of God. Sometimes we have been a prisoner for so long that we think that there's absolutely no way out of, our, out of our sin and out of our habit and out of those destructive patterns in us. But we have to realize that Jesus Christ is the liberator and he has swung open the door for our liberation today. But Satan is the great plantation owner, and his job is to whisper in your ear, you've been here so long, at least you know you're going to get what you're going to get next. Your next meal, you're going to be taken care of. What's going to happen next? You know, many times that we have been under such destructive thinking for so long, we don't think there's any way out. You know, it's like the 
story of a woman who bought an extravagant dress and the husband asked, why did it have to be so extravagant? And she said, well, the devil made me buy it. And the husband asked, well, why didn't you say get behind me, Satan? The woman said, I did. And he said, it looked just as good in the front as it did from the back, so I bought it. You know, so many times we become so comfortable being a slave that uh, we're too scared to run for freedom. Jesus Christ is a great emancipator who paid to overthrow our slavery. And he wants us to take a risk to go free. That is what he's telling them. That's what he's telling us today. You know, we need to learn how to eliminate the self-talk that I can't help myself or I'm only human or the devil made me do it. That kind of talk empowers the plantation owner and we continue to have a victim mentality and we stay a slave. Jesus wants you and I to be risk takers of freedom. So what do you do? Well, we understand the, the meaning of freedom is Christ sets me free. Once you experience freedom, you don't want to go back and be a slave any longer. And we come to realize that our freedom comes when we acknowledge before God that we're sinners. So we ask God to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. That true freedom is found through true faith in Jesus. Jesus, without question, is the one who sets us free. Point number two, a true faith realizes grace cannot be borrowed. I hope you get this. A true faith realizes that grace cannot be borrowed. It kind of goes like this. When you ask someone, are you a follower of Christ? And I've had people tell me when I've asked them, well, I've grown up in the church. Uh, well, I, I went every Sunday growing up and I went with my mom or my dad or my grandma and grandpa or my aunt or uncle or whatever. And I, I've had people at that point tell me, well, you know what? I went to church every Sunday and then they'll kind of say the name of the denomination that they were a part of and that they went to. Like my family grew up this way and I went with them every week. In essence, what they're saying is because somehow they've identified with grandma's faith or denomination that they are going to heaven because of that. And that's not true because grace cannot be borrowed. You and I have to apply for yourself about yourself. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, 13. Whoever, it's that person you have to call because nobody can call for you. In this passage, they're arguing with Jesus and, and, and their tempers are getting raised and it is escalating. And in this passage, they're saying, we are children of Abraham. We're Jewish. So we get to go to heaven because Abraham is our father. Then in verses 37 through 44, they answered, you know, Abraham's our father. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. And it's at that point they sought to kill Jesus because they are so upset with him. He is speaking the truth. And they said to Jesus, hey, we were not born of sexual immorality. Oh, oh, oh no, Jesus, we understand the whole story here about your background. We know Mary was pregnant with you before she and Joseph got married. They were telling Jesus, you are an illegitimate child. 
And they're, they're, they're laying these huge insults at Jesus. And they're saying, we're all children of God. You know, how many of you heard that before? We're all children of God. But Jesus said to them, if God were your father, then you would love me. I am from God and I am here. And Jesus is saying in this, there are two families on this earth. There are those who are children of God who put their faith in Jesus and have been forgiven of their sins and have been righteous through Jesus and God is their father. That's what he's saying. If God were your father, you would love me. I came from God. If God were your father, you would be loving Jesus. You would just be abiding in Jesus. You would care about that more than anything else. But aside from that, you are in darkness and you are away from God. He says, why don't you understand what I say? So, so listen, if God, this is what he's trying to tell them. So if God is not your father and Abraham is not your father, who's your daddy? And he clearly tells them who their father is. Because if God is not your father and Abraham is not your father, then verse 33, it's because you cannot bear to hear my word and you are of the father, your father, the devil. And you will do what that father desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has nothing to do with truth because there is no truth in him. And his native tongue is lying. He is the father of lies. And some might say, well, I'm not sure if God's word is the truth. That is a lie. Well, I'm not a murderer. Well, according to Hebrews chapter 10, if you reject Jesus, you are identifying with the crowd that shouted and that took him to the cross and said, crucify him. You know, the problem is as many want to just contain God that, yes, he is only a God of love and he is a God of love. Never mistake that. We all understand that. Does he love people? Absolutely, yes. But we don't love people if we don't tell them the truth. So he is trying to help them from the error of their way. He is speaking truth to them. The truth is that there is only one way to get to the Father in heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, the Son, period. That's it. There's, there's absolutely no other way. And can you see the same things that Jesus was dealing with 2,000 years ago? We are still dealing with today and will deal with until Jesus comes back. That many people think there's many ways to get to God, but he's saying again, there's only way to, one way to get to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus, period. That's the only way that you can have freedom. You can't borrow grace from anyone else. There's a third principle that true faith recognizes Jesus is God. That's, the, that's true faith. It recognizes Jesus is God. And this is really the heart of the issue that Jesus is wanting them to understand. And he wants you and I to understand today. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I mean, they're hurling insults at Jesus, verse 40. They're trying to insult him by saying, he's a Samaritan. You're an, you're an outcast. What are you, who are you? 
And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me, yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. What's he talking about here? He's talking about spiritual, eternal life. The Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. I mean, you know, they're continuing after this pattern. Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died already? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Who are you, they're saying? This is what they're asking. Who are you? They're asking Jesus, who are you? And Jesus will tell them, in the remaining verses, verse 54, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say that I did not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him, Jesus said, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, get this in there. They said, you are not yet 50 years old, Jesus, and have seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Wow. That is like, drop the mic Boom moment, right there. Jesus saying, I am Yahweh. I am the ever-present, eternal God who exists outside of time. I was before Abraham even was. I am the one who is a covenant, promise-keeping, eternally existent God. Jesus said, that's me. Jesus is the son of God. The Bible says they were absolutely so infuriated with Jesus and they begin to pick up the stones off of the ground to throw them at Jesus. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. In that moment, they're like, where did he go? He's gone. It's not his time to die at the tabernacle. It's not his moment yet. Jesus is not a victim. He is a victor because he is God, very God today. What's this saying to us? It's saying a true faith results in freedom. True faith in Jesus results in absolute freedom that this world cannot ever offer us. The question today is, have you come to Christ? Have you come, not just come, but are you abiding in his word? Do you know the truth and have you experienced his freedom? The freedom that only he can give, a freedom to walk in his will, to know freedom for your life. Have you experienced that freedom today? You can there's true freedom to be had. There's a true faith to be had to get to that freedom. 
understand this, that you and I can't borrow grace. We can't borrow somebody else's grace in their life. We can't live off the coattails of what somebody else did around us and growing up, whoever it is. No matter how wonderful your mom or your dad or your grandmother is or was, what matters is what are you doing with Jesus today? That is what this passage is saying. And it's echoed again in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom that we are liberated today through Jesus Christ. Not what anybody else has done. Not what our forefathers have done. But only what Jesus Christ has done on the cross today. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word today in John chapter 8. That God, you want us to understand that there is a true freedom that you want each and every one of us to have. But that we understand inside of John 8 that true faith results in real freedom. True faith in you today results in our freedom today and to come out from the bondage and the slavery of the enemy. That, Lord, that we understand believing in you, Jesus, plus abiding in your word, plus knowing the truth equals real freedom today and in the days ahead. That we believe, as John chapter 8 tells us, that without question, Jesus, you have set us free. And you are our liberator and you are our victor today. And for anyone that calls on your name today and comes to you with true faith and believes in you, the result of that is the promise of this word that they will have real freedom in Jesus. And that we believe that you are God and that we understand true faith equals true freedom. And Father, for anyone that calls on your name today, no matter what bondage, no matter what shackle, you are the great liberator for every life today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.